Hello, my name is Dave Lilly. I am a retired pastor out of the Mountain Sky Conference, which stretches from New Mexico all the way to Canada, including Idaho, parts of Idaho, Utah, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, etc. I had the opportunity to, uh, the privilege to serve for 30 years, and Pastor Jen has asked me to uh, give you a good message today in her absence. She is on a mission trip down to Mexico and has given me the opportunity to uh, sort of speak on her behalf and on behalf of the gospel. I want to start with a, a sort of a case study, if you will. It's uh, a new pastor who's doing his best to try to uh, create a new congregation. And what he has discovered is that he has two distinct groups within that congregation. One of them are was made up of longtime believers. They Many of them were born in the faith and raised in the faith. In fact, most of them. Uh, they have very conservative beliefs, very well-defined beliefs, very conservative beliefs. They're, they're not open to necessarily thinking about or accepting other thoughts about faith, about belief. They also have, uh, they, they love highly liturgical, meaning highly structured worship. Uh, they sing uh, very time-honored songs. They know the words to everything. They know the tunes to them all because they've sung them their entire lives. Their parents sung them. Their grandparents sung them. They heard the same, the, the, the same prayers being offered, the same psalms being read, and that's the way they like it. In fact, they love it. They also tend to be very meditative in how they uh, approach spirituality. They tend to be quiet and, and praying type in, in quiet. Uh, and finally, they, uh, their understanding of salvation is very much a broad thing. Being brought to uh, a situation of, we'll just say saved, but, but coming together to be righteous in God's, in God's sight uh, as a group. We're all going there together. Now, that's one of the groups. The other group is completely different. Uh, that group is uh, composed of much more recent believers, people who have uh, were not born in the faith, people who come from all manner of different directions. They come from literally all over the place, uh, from different religious backgrounds, completely irreligious backgrounds, uh, and so on. Uh, they do not, their beliefs tend to be very free-ranging. They're very open to new thoughts, to, to new ideas. Uh, and their idea of uh, their, their likes and desires in a worship setting uh, tend to be very informal. I have possibility for a lot of different varieties of things to happen, different varieties of music, different varieties of prayer, different ways of expressing whatever the core message of the day might be. Their spiritual practices tend to be much more energetic. They tend to not be uh, necessarily quiet and, and, and centered in silence and in quietude. They tend to feel like they experience the spiritual reality uh, much more so in activity, uh, in, in, in doing things 
than in just thinking about them or praying about them. And for them as well, salvation is becoming righteous, if you will, with God, lining up with God is very much an individual thing. So we have a pastor who's doing his best to try to create a new congregation. And he has these two different groups. And the way I just described them, you can very well imagine. They're not meshing very well. Now, the, the, the newer, the, the group two, if you will, the ones who are much more recent believers, they tend to be much more flexible and they're willing to accept the, the folks from group one, but the first group of people, they're not much interested in accepting anybody who doesn't sort of fall into the category of uh, faithful life and living uh, that they understand. So if you're the minister in this case study, how in the world do you go about trying to get these two groups to come together? Because you can't make it with either one. You need both. Well, this particular minister was extremely successful in doing that. And he did it in a couple of ways. First, he convinced both sides to give consideration to the viewpoints of the other. Don't be so closed-minded. Open your thoughts and recognize that, that the other people are uh, have valid thoughts and valid beliefs, potentially. And what does that might mean for you? Also, he emphasized the necessity of tolerating, maybe even minimizing, the magnitude of the difference between the groups. Be tolerant. Try to understand. And the third thing he did, and this is probably absolutely the key thing, is he found a common point of agreement, a, 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 a larger point above which both groups could align themselves. They could both agree on, they could both have some sense of allegiance to it. And is that larger picture that it built a bridge that the two could come together on. You might think uh, I served, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten churches, something like that over the course of 30 years. And that describes every church that I was a part of. Core believers, new believers, friction between the two. You might think that this is a, a case study drawn from modern times, but it isn't. This was actually the situation facing the Apostle Paul in the city of Rome, as he was attempting to build Christ's church in that place. I want to read to you now something from Paul's letter to the Romans. His letter is, in effect, a, a beautifully structured argument, mostly aimed at the Hebrews, mostly aimed at the Jews, trying to get them to understand that, that the, the newcomers to the group we're not to be judged as, as less than. Listen to what he says. Now, this is from chapter 15, uh, which is the final portion of his letter. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That's God's word read today for us, the people of God. Pastor Jen asked me to uh, uh, utilize one of the verses kind of right in the middle of that, which is, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Her sermon series is called Body Language. We're talking about the language within the body of Christ, uh, the way that we communicate with each other, the way that we deal, that we accept each other, that we interact and interrelate to each other. And you can see right here, Paul is telling people, you, you must accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. The key is to accepting each other as we are, not expecting someone to to become what you think they should be or act the way you think they should act. God loves them just the way they are. God isn't sitting there and thinking, well, I love you, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to make you a, a spiritual creation until you get rid of all your bad habits, uh, until you talk to that person whose feelings you hurt, until you right the wrongs you've done. Okay, many of us feel that way. Many, many people feel that way. I can't really approach God. I can't, I can't approach faith until I get my spiritual house in order, until I pray every day, until I read my Bible every day, until I do all these things, I really can't approach Christ. I can't approach God. But that's not how God feels. God loves each and every one of us just as we are. And accepting each other just as we are is the key to creating a community of compassion, of care, and of love. A community of faith. We call it a church. Others may call it by other names. They may call it a mosque. Uh, they may call it a temple, for example. We call ours a church. And, and as a group gathered on July the 11th as the uh, Bryan Community Church, we are attempting to do exactly what Paul was trying to do, which is to create a new congregation, to create a new community focused on Christ. And we have those two groups within our midst, don't we? Body language. How do we talk to each other? That's so important. Recognize that the people that we are sitting with and around who, who, who come and go, that God loves them just as they are. And it's up to us to try to understand, to, as, as Paul did, to try to minimize those differences and to recognize that there is something greater to which we all can claim allegiance, and that is the gift of grace and what it means for us to create a congregation that will proclaim that to others. And that's the second part I want to mention about body language. The body of Christ is uh, has ways of relating to those who are not actively of the body, if you will, who are not actively part of a church or, or any kind of spiritual community engaged in any kind of necessarily regular spiritual practice. 
a number of years ago, I saw an interview where Oprah Winfrey was interviewing a minister. I believe he was an Episcopal individual uh, from Southern California, it seems to me. It's been quite a few years ago. And I remember during the conversation, she said something like, well, don't you want everyone to be in church on Sunday? And he said, no. And she said in a way that in, in her kind of half humorous way, what kind of preacher are you that you don't want people being in church every Sunday? And he stopped for a minute and he thought, and he said, my faith requires me to accept that God is working in the lives of every human being in the way that God knows is best. Every human being is being acted upon and actively loved by God in the way that God knows they need at that moment. And that may very well mean that there are some people who are not yet at a place where they are ready to be part of a community of faith. And I remember watching that and thinking to myself, man, what a great perspective. That's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to have that perspective. I want to look at everybody and every person and see in them somebody that God is working on, somebody that God is, is, is developing, is, is creating as a new and beautiful creation. In John 3.16, one of my, uh, one of, Christianity's favorite verses, certainly. I remember when I was a kid, I'd watch, uh, sit and watch a baseball game. And there was always this crazy guy. He had a rainbow colored wig, you know, like a big one teased out for a wig with, with all kinds of colors. And he would always get right down behind the backstop so that whenever they were showing the pitcher and the catcher, he was in there. And he always had a sign that said, John 316. And he would just he'd do this back and forth. John 316, for God so loved the world, he gave his son so that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. God gave his son that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. You notice that Jesus didn't say that whoever goes to church every week will not die and have eternal life. He didn't say that everybody who, who does mission projects will not die and have eternal life. He didn't say everybody who reads their Bible, anybody who memorizes their Sunday school curriculum ahead of time. He said, anyone who believes, belief is the key. And God is working on each of us and our belief. For those who are not part of a community of faith, I believe God is working on them, trying to to, to get their attention and simply say to them, hey, there is a better way to live your life. And it's through following my son, Jesus Christ. Give it a try. For those of us who are in a community of Christ, I think God is working on our faith as well, saying, don't be so closed-minded. Open yourselves up and recognize that it is in the way that you treat others that my message will be proclaimed the best. Because that's the facts. People don't want to know how much you know. They want to know how much you love. How you treat others is the greatest testimony to the grace of God alive in your life and in my life. How we treat others, how we care for them. And I'm not just talking about in the building. 
talking about everyone outside. Now, I know we're a friendly church. I mean, I walk in and I see people who are talking to each other and smiling and enjoying themselves. But the fact of the matter is every church I've ever been a part of, or every church is friendly to each other. When we walk in, we love to see our friends. We love to see family members. We love to see, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. How are you doing? How's your family? What's going on with your health or your job or your travels or whatever it might be? But when somebody walks in that we don't know, somebody who may have heard that little uh, niggling word from God that said, try my son's way, try following him, and they come into our place, do we approach them? Do we talk to them? Do we make them welcome? Do we say, you're in the right place? We follow Jesus here. That's our challenge. Our body language, both inside our group and our church, accepting that others are different. You know, the worst thing that we can do at this point in time, in my opinion, is for each of us to try to make sure that Bryan Community Church becomes the church just the way we came from, okay? Many people came from the same church. Many have come from other churches in other places. We cannot, we cannot uh, lobby for Bryan Community Church to be just like old First Church, wherever First Church might be, because this is different. This is unique. The group of people that we have gathered here has never been gathered before in the history of the world. And our expression of the love of Christ must also be unique. Don't try to force the pastor to, to, to worship the way you like to worship. To, to Oh, be sure you include that because, you know, every church should have that or don't let that happen. No church should let that happen. Allow. God to work in our lives and in our church the way that God knows he needs to. God's love is so powerful. God loves you. God loves me just as we are. And the best part of that news is God loves us so much that God doesn't want us to stay just as we are. God wants us to continue to grow and to change, to continue to see in others, uh, children of God, whether it's in inside the church and recognizing what a unique and special person they are. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't believe exactly what we believe. Maybe they don't like to worship exactly. doesn't matter. Or maybe it's seeing those people on the outside and recognizing, gee, they're, they're not that much different from me. God loves them as much as God loves me. We must focus on what is alike within us and not differences. When we accept Christ, when we believe, as John 3.16 says, we come to a whole new understanding of what love is and how God loves us. And the one thing we've got to be sure to do is to remember that the words of Jesus tell us, don't just let God love you. You must love others as well. My thanks to Pastor Jen for allowing me to uh, uh, come and speak. Uh, this is actually the evening of 
uh, June the 11th and uh, bring this message. I think it's, a, it's an important one for all of us just to remember we are loved the way we are sitting right wherever we are when we see this or hear this. You're loved the way you are. You don't have to do anything special. You can't beg, buy, borrow, or steal grace. It's yours. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for the gift of grace and for Jesus who came to show us that your loving nature is so powerful and so profound that you exist in love and care for every human being, everywhere. Bless us, Lord, as we go about your business in this world, as we let everyone we meet see the love of Christ alive in our lives through our actions, through our attitudes, through our words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless all of us. Amen.